I mean, we don't uh, really know uh, a lot about the innkeeper, right? I mean, there's just not a lot in Scripture to give us a whole big scenario of what he said or, you know, really who he was or what his background was. Um, really, all we get in Scripture is this little sentence in Luke 2 from that Christmas story we're looking at. And it simply says, you know, they went there and they couldn't stay there because there was no room for them uh, in the inn. And that, that, that's all we get about this guy. We don't, we don't get the dialogue. We don't get the blow by blow. And, you know, he said, she said, whatever is going on. I mean, we just all we get is we know there was this person who was an innkeeper. And somehow he was significant to the experience of that first Christmas. So if we're going to understand the innkeeper, it seems to me, we need to understand really the overall context of everything that's going on uh, that brings them, Joseph and Mary, to the point of having this interaction with uh, the innkeeper. Uh, it all happens according to Luke 2, uh, because Emperor Augustus gave orders for the names of all the people to be listed in the record books. This was the first uh, records that were made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So we know it was in the experience of uh, Emperor Augustus. This is Augustus Caesar. He is the grand nephew of Julius uh, Caesar. He was adopted by Julius Caesar as his son. He was named heir to the throne of Rome. And when Julius Caesar was, uh, was assassinated, you know, Mark Anthony and he kind of jousted and, and finally uh, Caesar Augustus takes over uh, the throne. Um, he ruled from uh, about uh, 27 B.C. to uh, 14 A.D. And uh, what we do know is during the experience of his rule, it was um, relatively calm. It was a time of relative peace in the Roman Empire. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing under uh, Augustus uh, was not just the census going on, but he was the one that really did the building of a lot of roads. And that, that we know becomes really important for the gospel uh, after Jesus, right? During the time of Paul, the experience of having all these roads in Rome was really vital to the gospel getting out. And so we know that Augustus is the guy that ordered the census to take him, be taken place. And uh, it's interesting in Luke, Luke wants to place it, so he tells us who the governor was, so there can be no doubt that this is just like history. This is going on stuff, right? And so we get the experience now that, that this, uh, this, uh, this uh, emperor of Rome has decided everybody ought to uh, go and list because he want to make, wants to make sure he's getting all the taxes that are due him, right? Funny how that works. And uh, so everybody had to go to their own hometown uh, to be listed. So Joseph had to leave Nazareth in Galilee and go to Bethlehem in Judea. So here's how it works. Uh, Joseph was from Bethlehem, and so he had to go back to Bethlehem and uh, register for this census. It's kind of like when you go vote, right? You you go to the polls, and you can't just be driving around and go to any poll voting poll you want to go to, right? You have to go to the one where you are registered, right? So I vote over at Concordia, and I walk into my place, and I go through the line, and personally, I put my ID down there, and a little by comment there, but I put my ID down there, and, and uh, it's just me, and I put my ID down there, and uh, the lady says, oh, Reverend Sir, good to see you, and we talk a little bit about church, and I witness to her, and then she finally turns around and says, oh, here's your name right here, and my address, and I'm in the book, right? 
And because I'm registered and I'm in the book, she says, oh, good, here's your ballot, go vote, right? Okay, now, well, okay, so the same experience, right? That uh, Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem, and he has to go back to Bethlehem because that's where he's in the book. That's the way the books were run in those days, and so it's the census. He's got to go back there uh, and become enrolled. But the gospel in Luke gives us a hint that Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem for something more. Uh, and Luke captures it with this phrase here. He says, long ago, Bethlehem had been King David's hometown. And Joseph went there because he was from David's family. So he goes back to Bethlehem to register because the emperor says, Listen, i got to get all my taxes. He's got to go back to Bethlehem because that's where he's registered. That's where his family is from. And oh, by the way, his family? Not any regular old family. This is King David's family. And so Joseph must go back to Bethlehem. But there's something more. There's something bigger at work here. And we can't miss, if we're going to understand the innkeeper today, we can't miss the bigger picture of what's happening in this experience. You see, Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem. Not just because the emperor says that's where you got to register. He's got to go back to Bethlehem because that's where Micah says the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come from. In Micah 5, it says, the Lord says, Bethlehem, you, you might not be an important town in the nation of Judah, but out of you will come a ruler over Israel for me. His family line goes back to the early years of your nation. It goes all the way back to the days of long ago. Micah the prophet foresees a time and he says, listen, Bethlehem, you're the place. You're the place where the king is going to be born. Why does Joseph have to go back to Bethlehem? Just to sign up and pay his tax? Absolutely not. He's got to go back to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is the place. It is absolutely the place where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has to come from. What's going on? You see, there is a bigger experience going on. Augustus may not understand it. Augustus may not get that his idea to make sure that he gets all the taxes he thinks he's owed, he may not understand that that idea is really a work that God can use to make sure at the right time in the right place his son comes in the world. That our God is so incredibly sovereign that he can work in this experience of the everyday in Augustus Caesar's life, and all of a sudden, Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem. Because it's the right place, and it's the right time for the Savior to come into the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think that's pretty dang awesome, right? But it gets even better. It gets even bigger than that, okay? So what's the next thing that happens? Well, it's not that just Joseph has to go back, right? I mean, it'd be fine for Joseph to go back. And in fact, that's probably the, all that was required. When it came to doing the census thing, you know, we were the, back then it was a man culture. And so, you know, the guys just had to go back to their hometown and register the fam. The fam could stay home. It was just the guys that had to really make the journey. 
So how come in this experience and story of the first Christmas, Mary gets involved in going to Bethlehem? I mean, she doesn't have to go to Bethlehem for the census per se. So how is it that Mary has to make this journey to go back to Bethlehem. Can you imagine the discussion that she and Joseph had the days before they left? Now, Mary, listen. There is no way in the world I want to have this baby on the roadside, okay? You should just stay home. You should just stay home. I'm going to go. I'll do the Caesar thing. You stay home. When I get back, if you have the baby, you have the baby. I, you know, I wish I could be there, but it's just the way it is. Can you hear that conversation taking place? And Mary, of course, on the other side, Joseph, what are you thinking? How could you even think about missing the birth of your firstborn? Oh, my gosh, I can't imagine you not being here. I need you by my side. I don't know who I'm going to scream and holler at if you're not here, right? I mean, you could hear that conversation. And we could kind of go with that conversation. But Luke directs us into something even more significant. And we often, it's hidden. We often just kind of glance by it in the text. In the text, in verse 5, he says, Mary was engaged to Joseph and traveled with him to Bethlehem. Why did she travel with him? Because she was engaged and she was pregnant. She wasn't married. And she was pregnant. And in Jewish law, that meant she could be stoned. You see, if Joseph leaves her behind, if Joseph just gets on the donkey and makes the trek himself, and he leaves her behind, she may not survive. Because she is an absolute embarrassment to the town of Nazareth. And the law says she should be stoned. And up until this time, the only reason she's not stoned is because Joseph, her betrothed, has stepped forward and said, listen, it's okay, I understand, we're going to get married. Because Joseph, in a dream, was told it's okay, and he believed it, and he stepped forward, and he said, listen, it's okay, she's going to be my wife, it's fine, I don't care, she's pregnant, it's okay. And nobody would do anything because Joseph was her protector. If he leaves... So leaves her protection. Why does Mary have to go to Bethlehem? They cannot take the risk of leaving her behind. And we could leave it there. But think again of the bigger picture. Why does she have to go to Bethlehem? She has to go to Bethlehem because of Micah 5. Micah 5 says, The Lord Bethlehem, you, you're the important town in Judah, and out of you... That's where the Savior is going to come. See, she has to go to Bethlehem. Why? Not just for her own safety. She's got to go to Bethlehem because that's where the baby's got to be born. She's got to go to Bethlehem because that is the only place for this baby to be born. Do you see what's going on? I mean, in this experience so far, we can see the incredible sovereignty of God at work. And in this sovereignty, Caesar Augustus has issued the decree that a census has to take place to make sure that Joseph gets back to Bethlehem. And Mary is in this awkward predicament of being betrothed and pregnant. And Gabriel came to her at the right time to put her in that situation so that she would have to go back down to Bethlehem. Why? So this baby could be born at the right time and where? In the right place. 
How awesome is our sovereign God? He is using the everyday moments, the everyday experiences of people who don't know him, like Caesar Augustus, and people who do know him, like Joseph and Mary, and he is accomplishing his purposes in the everyday. And that brings us to this guy, the innkeeper, because while she was there, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She dressed him in baby claws and she laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. That's all we know. We don't know any more about the innkeeper. We don't know whether, you know, I mean, this thing has kind of been preached a couple different ways. You know, we don't know one way whether this innkeeper was this hard, callous person that just kind of looked at Joseph and Mary and said, hey, they're obviously poor people from Nazareth. They can't pay the freight, by the way. It's opportunity moment, and I've upped the rates on the rooms. And, you know, tough luck, people. Find your own place, by the way, if you want to sleep in a barn, help yourself. We don't know if he was a compassionate guy whose mother set the table and said, make sure you make room. We don't know if he looked upon them and said, you know, wow, these people are in a tough place. I can't kick somebody out. But look, there's, I got this at least this barn out back, and I got this place that can at least be dry and warm. We don't know. I mean, he could have been in that moment, in that experience, and, and seen Joseph and Mary and said, well, you know, Listen, I got people in room 202, but I don't really like them. They weren't really nice to me when they checked in. So I'll kick them out. And you, young couple, listen, you can move in. But I mean, how's that working for you in the Christmas story if he does that? I mean, kind of travel along and the angels show up to the shepherds and they say, we bring you good tidings of great joy in room 202 unto you. I mean, take the elevator. I mean, how's that working for you? It doesn't work so good, right? Why does that work so good? Because deep down, we know the truth about what God's doing here. This baby is being born at the right time. And this baby is being born in the right town. And this baby is being born in the right place. And the place is a common, dirty stable. There needed to be no room in the inn. Because the right place for Jesus to come into the world is into the everyday broken experience of life. Why is that? Why would that be the right place? That's the right place. So you can sit here this morning and think about this innkeeper and understand and cast aside all doubt and just grab hold of the significant, simple truth that this was the Son of God. And this Son of God came into the right place. And that place is in your everyday experience. It's in the common. It's in the everyday Caesar Augustus, he's just doing every day. Joseph and Mary, they're following Caesar's rules. They're doing every day. They're putting up with the pressure and the consequences of being pregnant outside of marriage. They're just enduring every day. And this innkeeper, he's just doing every day. 
He, he didn't get the benefit of having a, an angel show up and say, Now listen, in a couple days, this young couple's going to come. He didn't go to sleep at night and get a dream where God showed up in a dream and said, Now when the young couple comes, remember room 202. No, he didn't get that. What is he left with? Every day. He's just left with every day. And he's left with the opportunity of experiencing the presence and the power of God in his life in absolutely every single day. See, Jesus came into the everyday. There were times in his life where he didn't know where his next meal was going to come from. There were times in his life where he had to deal with difficult people and difficult personalities and some of them were part of his closest friends. There were times in his life when his parents didn't understand him. There were times in his life, just like the everyday times in each one of our lives. And that's why he was born in the right time. And that's why he was born in the right town. And that's why he was born in the right place. He's in the right place. And that place is into our everyday experience. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you listen close this morning and you take in this whole big picture and, and you realize, my gosh, the sovereignty of God is incredible. He could use Augustus Caesar that didn't even know him. He could use the difficult embarrassment that Joseph and Mary had to go through. He could use this innkeeper just going through his every day. He could use all of that to accomplish his purpose in that moment. Here's the deal. So how's he going to use your tomorrow? I mean, if he's born into the stable, if he's born into the everyday, if that is the absolute good news that we get this morning from running into this guy called an innkeeper, if that is the news that he's born into the everyday, it's mean, it means he is already in your tomorrow. He's in your tomorrow. And the question just like he was in the innkeeper's day. Will you understand the moments when God shows up and is ready to create an opportunity in your life to do something for him in the kingdom of heaven? Will you experience the moments when God shows up and he is ready to speak into your life like never before? You see, the good news of the innkeeper for us is just simply what Luke tells us. It's just because there was no room in the inn. And Jesus came into an everyday world to be a savior. That's what Paul tries to capture in Romans 5. Paul says, you see, at just the right time, and when we were still, what? Powerless. That sounds like a stable to me. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, he didn't come into the stable so he could make a statement that he came for perfect people. He came for us. Messed up as we are. That's where a stable is. It's a dirty, smelly, messy kind of place. Kind of like some of our lives. And it's exactly where he came. At the right time, in the right town, in the right place, he came into the world. If you look at First Timothy... We capture it again. We kind of, it all just kind of brings together. It says, 
God wants everyone, regardless of where their life is, where their everyday is, God wants everyone to be saved and to know the whole truth, which is there is only one God. And Christ Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus was truly human, and he gave himself to rescue all of us. God showed us this at the right time, in the right town, in the right place. This is the amazing news of the innkeeper. The innkeeper, just like us. And God was working in his absolute every day, just like us. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this incredible good news that you didn't come to be uh, distant from us, that you are absolutely unafraid to get into the mess, and that you are willing to be in every single day and every single moment. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. You know it well. You've walked it. You were born into it. And you'll be in it tomorrow. So we just humbly come to you today as a bunch of innkeepers. And we pray that our eyes would be open. That we would see the moments and the opportunities. To know you. To be closer to you. And most of all, that our lives would be used for your glory. That our lives could make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. Father, we come to you today, we thank you, we praise you for the blessing we have of walking through every day, not alone, but with you by our side. Father, we come to you and we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray as we join together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 